You're listening to another message from Generation City Church. I want you to turn with me this morning. I want to start this. What I want to share this morning from two places. I want to start from Colossians chapter 2. And I also want to look at Philippians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 and Philippians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 verses 6 and 7. Two verses that I believe God has imprinted on my heart. It says, So then, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue. Everyone say that with me. Continue. Continue. Continue to live your lives in Him. Rooted and built up in Him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Let's jump back a couple of pages. For me, I just have to turn one page in my Bible. Um, but for you, depending on how big the text is, Janice, um, that might be a few more pages than two. But <laughs> Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12. It says, Therefore, my dear friends, this is Paul writing, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. I think it's interesting. Sometimes because of whose presence we're in, it can motivate our actions. It can motivate what we do because we want to be seen. Maybe because, I don't know, but maybe that's you this morning. Maybe, maybe as Paul's writing, he's saying just, as, though, as you have been in my presence, but even more so in my absence. I think to carry on who we are in the absence speaks so much more than who we are when we carry on in someone's presence. Anyway, putting that in there, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Continue. Let's say that together. Continue, Continue. to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I don't know about you, but for me, when I read those two passages, I, I see one word that is in both of those passages. And it may or not be the word that we just said together, but in actual fact, it is. But in Colossians 2 and Philippians 2, in these two verses, we see that word continue. Continue. And as I read Philippians... 2 and verse 12, work out your salvation. For a long time when I was younger, I used to see that phrase, work out. And I used to think, well, work out as in that's a problem that needs to be solved. That when we're working out our salvation, it's like, well, it's like a maths problem that we're sitting down or a financial problem or something that we've got to come up with an answer for. But you see, that's not what Paul's actually saying when he's writing to the Philippians. What he's saying in Philippians 2, he's saying is work out your salvation. Work it out. Walk it out. Continue. Work it out as though you're at the gym. Work it out. Strengthen yourselves. Cultivate it. That's what he's saying when he says work it out. But I think for so many of us, for so many of us, we can fall into the category of just being people who have received Jesus and that's it. We receive Jesus and that's it. And this morning I want to continue 
talking to you about the continuing. If I was going to put a title on what I want to talk about this morning, it would be a continued cultivation. A continued cultivation. Father, this morning as we open your word, Father, as we take some time to dive into what it is that you're saying this morning, I pray that the words that I say would fall to the ground and what you want to say would be said this morning. Father, that it wouldn't be about how eloquent I can put something together, but that you would speak. Holy Spirit, have full reign in this place this morning. Let the spirit of wisdom and revelation flood this place that we would know you more. Speak to our hearts. Speak to my heart this morning. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. See, those two verses in Colossians. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. I think for so many of us, we stop at that point like... We've received our salvation. We've received from Jesus. We've received our ticket to heaven. We've been made right with God. But you see, God has so much more in store for us than to just tick us off as going, yep, they're going to heaven. They're going to heaven. You know, the cross was all about making us right with God. and It's all about putting us in right standing with Him because that couldn't be achieved by what I do or by what I say. It could only be achieved through Jesus and what he did on the cross. That because of Jesus, we have right standing with God. Because of Jesus, we are made whole. Because of him. But you see, it doesn't end there. That's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. And when we read the next word, just as you received Christ Jesus, continue. Continue, continue to live your lives in Christ. Continue to work out your salvation. Continue to walk it out. But I wonder how many of us, how many of us have just received Christ? We've received salvation and that's it. But God has in mind so much more for us than to just give us a ticket to heaven. He has so much more in store for us. In Galatians 2 and verse 20, a verse that many of us will know. 2 verse 20, Paul again writes, he says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live. You see, for many of us, myself included, I wonder how much difference there is between the life we once lived and the life that we now live. Is there much difference between who we used to be and how we used to think, how we used to speak, how we used to live and, 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 and walk? Is there much difference now That we have received Christ. When I read this verse, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer 
live. I think it can be a verse that we, we can just gloss over and read over. But when we think about it, I've been crucified with Christ. Christ was crucified. He was dead. He was dead. How nice that I can read, I have been crucified with Christ and not actually have to experience that for myself. I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live. Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. Do we actually realize what has actually taken place? The moment that we received Christ, the moment that we received salvation, the moment we were put right, the moment we believed in our heart and confessed with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, He has taken up residence in our heart. He has taken up residence. But I am so guilty. I think I say this to you every time, but I never, ever want to stand up here before you and open the word and share around the word and for you to ever think that I'm doing this from a place of having this all together because I haven't. I have not got this worked out. I haven't got this all sorted. We are all on the journey, all on the journey of becoming more and more like Jesus. But I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. But Christ lives in me. Maybe some of us need to come to the realization that Christ is living in you. Christ is living in you. He has taken up residence in our heart. Something that has changed the way that I think. Something that has changed the way that I pray, the way that I, I live has been the realization that my goal as a Christian is not to become a better version of my former self. My goal as a Christian is not to be a better Joel than I was last year. My goal as a Christian isn't to be a better Joel than I was five years ago. It's not to marry up to some standard because the best version of myself that I can possibly muster up is still in dire need of a saviour. But my goal is not to be a better version of my former self. But my goal is to be more conformed and transformed every day into the image of Jesus. Is to be more and more conformed and transformed into the image of Jesus. I've been taking some time lately and reading through Philippians. It's a book that I thought oh, I've read that so many times. But I just felt drawn to just slowly make my way through Philippians. And as I was reading, I started with Philippians 1 verse 1 and started to work my way through. And sometimes we can just start to skip over the verses that we know or have heard time and time again or verses that, oh yeah, I know what that says. 
I know what that says. But when I came to Philippians 1 verse 6, 1 verse 6, it's like one of those one of those prophecy bombs that people just just speak over people. This I don't know, maybe here this morning and you've had a prophecy bomb of Philippians 1.6 dropped on you that you've been standing out, out the front or someone's come up to you and they've started, the word from God to you is he who began a good work in you. Maybe, maybe you, you've had that happen to you. I know that's happened to me. When I was little, when I was about, I don't know, six or seven, um, I was at an event where Brian Houston was speaking. And I, hey, when I was a little kid, I used to get everyone to sign my Bible. So I said, Pastor Brian, can you sign my Bible for me? And he signed my Bible. And um, this is about 25 years ago. And, and he wrote Philippians 1 verse 6 into my Bible. I'm thinking, oh, awesome, great. Philippians 1 verse 6, God who began a good work in me is going to bring it to completion. But it was only as I unpacked this verse a few weeks ago, that I believe the truth behind that verse was dropped into my heart. You see, Paul writes to the Galatians in Galatians 4.19 that I'm in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. That Christ would be formed in us. Like I said, it's not to become a better version of our former self. It's not to become like that person who led you to Jesus. It's not to become like one of the pastors, but it's to be more conformed and transformed into the image of Jesus. And as I open Philippians 1, verse 6, it says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I reckon there would be a whole bunch of people in here this morning who could rattle that verse off from the top of their head. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I want to just unpack this verse for a moment. You see, this this good work, this good work, this good, good work that he's doing in me, you see, that good work is not to make me a better leader. The good work isn't to make me a better pastor. The good work that he's doing isn't to make me a better preacher, although some of you might be sitting there thinking, God, I wish you would. But it's not to do that. If that's what God's wanting to do, if that's the good work, then that's a very narrow personal approach because that may be different for someone else, as I, I know it is. But you see, that good work isn't to even make me a better husband. That good work isn't to make me a better father, a better friend, a better son, a better employee. But that good work, that good work is the formation of Jesus in my life. The formation of Christ. I shared a few weeks ago that so often we can fall into the trap of, of relying on Jesus for our salvation. We can, we can rely on him knowing that I will boast in Christ alone. It's his righteousness and not my own. I'm made right because of Jesus. But we can unwittingly fall into the trap that from here on, it's all up to me. It's all up to me to work this out. It's all up to me. It's on my shoulders to have Christ formed in me. 
But as I look at this verse, if we can have it back up again, Ben, being confident of this. You know, I think there's some of us this morning that need to turn away from discouragement, that need to turn away from a sense of, I'm never going to make it. I'm just going to give up. But we can be confident. Someone here this morning needs to know that you can be confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion. Maybe that needs to be your verse, that promise that you hold on to. It's like, God, right now, I can't see what you're doing, but I know that you're at work within me. Being confident of this, that he who began. This good work, God started it, not you. The moment we received Christ and Christ took up residence in our heart, he began a good work. It's a good work. And if I know God, I know that God doesn't start something without the intent to finish it. God hasn't started something in your life this morning to just leave it null and void and to just go, oh, I thought that was going to turn out better, but I think we'll just push that one to the side. But he doesn't, he doesn't do that. He has begun a good work in you. He's begun a good work in me. But I love where it says, he who began a good work in you will carry it on. The weight and the burden of that good work, I don't even have to carry it. I don't have to carry the burden or the weight of it because he who began it is going to carry it. He's going to carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He began it. I wonder, I wonder, what would our life, what would our marriages, what would our families, what would our workplaces, what would our circles of friends or universities, our church look like if we made our number one pursuit the formation of Christ in us? The formation of Christ in us. Now, I'm not saying that we stop trying to get better at being a better spouse or a better friend or a better father or mother. I'm not saying that. But what if, what if our main focus was on Christ? being formed in us on his way of thinking of his way of seeing people his way of seeing circumstances and situations if that was what took shape and form in us I think we would be better husbands better fathers better, uh, better wives Friends, employees, business owners, 
if our focus was on Christ being formed in us. My prayers have changed profoundly when I pray, when I spend time with God. It's God, let Christ be more formed in me. Let Christ be more formed in me, in the way I think, in the way I speak, in the way I interact, in the way that I love. Let Christ be more formed in me. You see, when we received Christ, Christ took up residence in our life, but he took up residence in seed form. He took up residence in seed form. Sadly, across the church today, we have a school of thought that it's all about grace. It's all about grace. It's all about grace. It's all about what God can do in me. And I've just got to trust God and God's going to work it out and it's going to be all good. On the other side, we have another school of thought where it's all about my effort. It's all about what I can do. It's all about... um, how good I can, how, how well I can develop Christ in my life, how well I can show the fruits of the Spirit. But you see, the Bible is unashamed of the tension between grace and effort. Unashamed. Unashamed to balance grace and effort, where Paul talks about beating his body. I don't fight like a fighter punching the air, but I beat my body and, 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 and I make it my slave. Talks about being a soldier, talks about being an athlete. But at the same time, it's also Paul who writes in Ephesians that we're saved by grace that no one should boast. You see, there's a balance. There's a balance. It's not all about now going, okay, God's going to form Christ in me and I'm just going to sit back and just let it happen. In the same way that we can't now, we can't now try and achieve it all on our own. But there's got to be that balance that happens in the middle. Galatians 3, verses 2 through to 4. In the message translation, it says, let me put this question to you. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? Are you going to continue this craziness? For only crazy people would think they could complete by their own efforts what was begun by God. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you could perfect it? Did you go through this whole painful learning process for nothing? It is not yet a total loss, but certainly will be if you keep it up. It certainly will be if we keep it up. But how? How do we let Christ be formed in us? I think of this situation. I think of this situation like, like planting seed. Like planting seed. We plant seed and it's like when we receive Christ, the seed of Christ 
entered our heart. But you see, when we plant seeds, we've got lettuce in the backyard. And when that lettuce was planted, we didn't just stand back and say, oh, well, we've planted lettuce, it's going to grow. It's going to grow. But we've got to play our part in the process as well. You see, that seed gets planted. We've got to water that seed. We've got to tend that seed. Can we make that lettuce grow? No. We cannot make that lettuce grow. But we can do our part in the process and partner. Partner with what's going on. And in the same way, God has dropped a seed into our heart. The seed of Jesus. And it's up to us to partner with God. But how, how do we do that? How do we do that? I want to read Philippians 2 verse 12 again. I want to add verse 13 to the, the equation. And we're going to take it from the Amplified Version. Paul writes, he says, So then, my dear ones, just as you have always obeyed my instructions with enthusiasm, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. That is, cultivate it, bring it to full effect, actively pursue spiritual maturity with awe-inspired fear and trembling, using serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. Verse 13, for it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you both to will and to work. That is strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. I love that word cultivate. Cultivate it. Cultivate it. To cultivate something is to grow something under conditions that you can control. That's what cultivate means, to grow something under conditions that you can control. And I believe as Christians, we can cultivate Jesus being formed in our life in the areas that we can control. I then think in the process of this, that the fruit of Christ being formed in us is then revealed to us through situations that we can't control. Let me say that again. That we can, cult, we can cultivate Christ being formed in us through things that we can control. What I'm saying is, I can control my word intake. I can control the word coming into my life. I can control that. I can control the people that I hang around, that I let speak into my life. I can control those things. But there are a whole bunch of situations that we can't control. And I believe the fruit of our cultivation is revealed in those situations that we can't control. I am continually inspired by Reza. Inspired by this incredible lady. 
the way that she has led herself through this situation, this health situation. And I believe, I believe that this situation, something that Reza can't control, reveals the cultivation of her relationship with God and Christ being formed in her, in the way that she handles a situation that she can't control. But there are some things that we can do. There are some things that we can do. And the first thing, I want to move through these real quick. The first thing, come to grips with the fact that we can't do it by ourselves. We've got to come to grips with that. We've got to come to grips with the fact that we can't do it all by ourselves. And we've just talked about that now, looking at Galatians. The second thing is we can't keep ourselves and have Christ formed in us. We can't keep ourselves and have Christ formed in us. John the Baptist said in John 3 verse 30, he said, he must, he must increase and I must decrease. You see, Galatians 2.20 doesn't say, I've been crucified with Christ and now Christ and I cohabitate in me. No, it's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. You see, if we're going to let Christ take full form in our in our hearts and in our lives, we've got to realize that it can't be us and Christ. That we've got to decrease so that he can increase. You see, God doesn't push himself on us. God doesn't say, well, you've received Christ, so here I come, ready or not. That's not what God does. God doesn't push himself on us. But God responds. God responds to us. Maybe each morning. Father, today, I pray that you would help me to decrease so that you can increase. Help me to decrease so that you can increase. It's no longer I who live. It's a constant act of dying and surrendering to ourselves. When you think about it, let's think about crucifixion for a moment. When Jesus was hung on the cross, he didn't die instantly. He didn't. He died slowly and he died painfully. So when we die to ourselves, when we identify with his crucifixion, it's not something that happens straight away. It's not something that happens overnight. But it's, it's a process. It's a process, but we need to be people who are surrendered to the process. Number three, we become what we behold. We become what we behold. What we focus on, what we give our attention to. In Galatians 3 verse 1 in the message, Paul writes and he says, 
You crazy Galatians. You love the message. Did someone put a hex on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? Something crazy has happened for it's obvious that you no longer have the crucified Jesus in clear focus in your lives. It's obvious that you no longer have the crucified Jesus in clear focus. It can be easy for us to lose sight and to lose focus of Jesus. We're all human. It can be easy. Sometimes we can do it without even realizing. We can lose sight of Jesus. We become what we behold. And I think for each one of us this morning, we need to take another look at Jesus. We need to take another look at what he has done. I love the story of Zacchaeus in Luke 19. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see who Jesus was, sorry. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Because he was short. But you see, Zacchaeus didn't. Just lament in the place of, well, I'm too short and I'm not going to be able to see Jesus. He was desperate to see Jesus. It says in verse 4, So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. You see, Zacchaeus was so desperate to see Jesus. He was so desperate to see this Jesus that he'd heard about. And he wasn't going to give in to his own limitations. He wasn't going to sit back and go, I'd love to see Jesus, but oh well, I'm just too short. I'm vertically challenged. It's just not going to work out for me. But he was so desperate to see Jesus. He was desperate. So he ran. He ran ahead of the crowd and he climbed a tree. He ran ahead and he climbed a tree. He had to put in some effort. He had to put in um, some, some, he had to exert some effort in order to see Jesus. And I wonder this morning, is that you? Do you need to exert some effort in order to see Jesus again? In order to see Jesus more clearly? What, what's the crowd that you need to run ahead of? What's the tree that you need to climb? You see, Zacchaeus didn't just run ahead and climb a tree and think, oh, oh my goodness, Jesus went that way. I'm in this tree, but Jesus has gone that way. He knew which way Jesus was heading. And I think for each one of us, we've got a fair idea where Jesus is. Where is he? Jesus is found in his word. Jesus is found in his word. Jesus is found in that quiet, still place. That's where he's found. But maybe, just maybe, instead of trying to exert effort, trying to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, to be better Christians, to be better people, maybe we exert our effort on getting a clear view of Jesus again. A clear picture of who he is and what he's done. To fall in love with the fact that he gave his all so that we could be free. We become what we behold. 
We become what we behold. And we have the power. We can control what we behold. We can control that. Number four, we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind. I think one of the lies the enemy tries to feed Christians is here we go talking about renewing the mind again. It's all about the power of the mind. It's all about changing my thinking and changing my life. But I'm sorry, but that's what the word says. But I think he wants us to get so blasé about it that it's like, oh, I can't change my thinking. I can't, I can't focus my attention. This is just the way I am. I'm just a pessimist. But the Bible makes it so clear. It doesn't say be transformed by the renewing of your mind in a particular area, but we are transformed. We're not conformed to the pattern. It says, do not be conformed to the pattern, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And the renewing of our mind is a daily occurrence. Sometimes for me, I'm shocking. My mind plays tricks on me. And it's not just something I do daily. It's something that I've got to do multiple times daily. It's bringing it into alignment with God. In Psalm 119, David says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I would not sin against you. I have hidden your word. David hid the word of God in his heart. It doesn't say, you God, you've hidden your word in my heart. But some of the effort that we can put in is us hiding the word of God in our hearts. Because when we have the word in us, we allow the word to transform the way we think. The first one, come to grips with the fact that you can't do it by yourself. We can't keep ourselves and have Christ formed. We've got to decrease so that he can increase. We become what we behold. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. Number five, it's a journey that will never be completed this side of eternity. When it says continue, continue to work out your salvation, continue to live your lives in Him, there's no end date. But as humans, we're wired for an end date. How long have I got to keep this up for? How long have I got to keep doing this for? But when it comes to Christ being formed in us, We all have a way to go. You know, spiritual maturity is not, is not based on how long you've been a Christian for. Spiritual maturity is not based on, I received Christ 40 years ago. Spiritual maturity is not, I've been in this church for 30 years. But I believe with all my heart, that someone who has been a Christian for six months, even less, that has allowed that seed to be cultivated in their heart, being more transformed and conformed into the image of Jesus, can have so much more spiritual maturity than someone who's been a Christian for 30 years and is just sitting as, I received Christ, I've been faithful, I've been, Jesus was entered my heart 30 years ago. Big warp. What have you done with it? What have you done with it? 
I think this is a message that is so applicable to every one of us because we will never, ever reach the point where, hey, I'm like Jesus. I'm done. You know where sometimes you can, you might be at work and the boss says, hey, this job's going to take eight hours. It takes four hours, so you just sit back and you do nothing for four hours. When it comes to Jesus being formed in us, it's never going to happen. And the funny thing is, the more that we get closer to God, the more that we seek to have Jesus transformed in us, the closer we get, the more we realize how far we've still got to go. The more we realize how far. The last thing I want to say as I pull this to a close, the team can come. One of the biggest factors, I believe, in seeing Christ form within us, all those things, but another factor that's very important is who you hang around, who you spend time with, who you let speak into your life, who you spend your time with. I think for some of us, we need to think very carefully and very intentionally about the people that we have speaking into our lives. A verse that I've been chewing over and I'm, want to talk about it another time, but it's in 2 Timothy 2.22. It says, flee youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love. I can't remember the other things. Along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. We can take for granted and totally misunderstand how influential the people that we do it along with are if we want to see Christ formed within us, if we genuinely want to see that, and we need to think about who it is that we're doing our life with. I read this quote. It says, The Son takes shape in those who abandon themselves to Him. Christ forms Himself in the lives of those who will let go of all the forms of life in which they have shaped on their own. Christ takes shape in a life that is willing to become putty in God's hands. Christ presses the shape of his own face into the clay of our soul when we cease to be hard and resistant. And when we take our own amateur hands off and admit that we are not such good artists as he is. God's plan for us is that Christ would be more formed in us that that would then affect and permeate every area and every aspect of our lives.